0: You are Locked On Browns, your daily podcast covering the Cleveland Browns, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Good evening, everybody. Um, Your host, Jeff Lloyd, here as we get into Locked On Browns for your daily delivery of all things Dog Pound. Um, We're going to get into a little bit of Pete Smith's put out his uh, 135 Browns target board today. Uh, You can check that out over on NFL Spin Zone. I think it only got one like, Pete. I'm not sure if anybody's liked it. Um, and apparently you are very envious of those who like to wear gourds on their head and things of that nature. Um, but it was a fun day on Twitter, Pete. We always have fun stuff with that. But, uh, Pete, let's get into it here a little bit. And, uh, you know, first things first, you know, I mean, you know, go in a little bit about how you do your process, and, you know, obviously we'll go a little bit you know, further into detail from there.
1: Um, so 135 is purely coincidental. I didn't realize until I went back today and uh, looked at the old one. And the old one had 135. It just happened to work out that way. Um, it's first marrying the bronze needs to what's available, but ultimately, it's it comes down to you know athletic traits and production and age. So if you know there's certain production uh, levels that are based on what you know what is relative to everybody else in the country, which you know shifts. Uh, you know, some numbers go up, some numbers go down, whatever, but the goal is to find players that have, you know, fantastic production, elite athleticism, and they are young. And on some level, uh, this sounds really simple. If you find young, athletic, productive football players, chances are you're going to be a good football team. And everybody sort of agrees with that. But then when you actually cut down to what is productive or, you know, what is that, um, that that's where you know you can get into some arguments about this type of stuff, but ultimately, uh, you know, it's just a rubric for me to sort of try to eliminate as much uh, likelihood of failure as possible. It is not guaranteeing anything. You know, the, there is there are no guarantees in the draft. Um, I still liken it to poker. Uh, you know, you can lose with pocket aces and you can win with. You know, a two-seven or whatever the worst hand is. Um, it, there's a little bit of luck, but there's certainly skill, and that's why the same—you know—it tends to be the same players are at the final table almost every year. Um, but this is this is the goal here. So, you know, if a guy is not on the list, and you're well, this guy's going to be great. And most notably, Nick Bosa is going to be the one that comes up. Um, look, I—you know—I I understand uh, why people think he's going to be good. I can tell you why. There's risk involved I can tell you what I like about him but I, I will keep paraphrasing a few good men uh, it's not what I what I believe it's what I can prove your eyes can lie uh, the data is much harder to do and you, you can have guys who have a bad day uh, athletic testing or a bad you know couple of days or are doing it hurt and we don't know about this type of stuff and there' are, you know certainly things you can argue around the fringes but that is the goal, and I don't have access to, you know, detailed medical data. I don't have access to character reports so I'm or the players themselves to figure it out. So I go with the information I have as the best way to try to eliminate failure. Um, and, you know, last year, the 135, the uh, Browns drafted five of them, um, and, you know, that was Baker Mayfield, Denzel Ward, Nick Chubb, Austin Corbett, and uh, – Genard Avery, the ones that weren't on there uh, were uh Chad Thomas, Simeon Thomas, uh Antonio Callaway, uh Damian Ratley, and I, I think I'm missing one player. But just the early indications, you know, and you can certainly go, well, this is easy. You know, the, the, it was the first pick in the draft or it was the you know first round or whatever and this, that, and the other. But if you're looking at this year, year out, you're going, well, they got five players that were on the list and four of them were really good and we'll see about the other one. And meanwhile, one that wasn't on the list is really good and most of the other ones aren't on the team or are barely on the team. So you can make the case that It's stupid, and I don't know what I'm doing. And and you're certainly entitled to that opinion. On the other hand, maybe there's some correlation there that's worth looking into. I mean, the whole data set is based on uh, work Jim a lot of hard work Jim Coburn has done, going back decades and decades, trying to find out, you know, trying to trying to figure out what you know good players sort of had uh, in terms of production and athleticism that made them get to certain levels whether it's you know three-time all pro or three-time pro bowl or long-term starter or you know backup or just didn't work at all so that's where this whole thing based on and obviously uh you know his, his work is and his presence i suppose is incredibly influential but after that the work is mine uh and then you know what i decide to do and not to do comes down to me but that is the process in a nutshell uh, I don't claim it to be perfect, but it's you know. It, it, as more information becomes available and more things I can sort of figure into this, more I will use. But this is where we're at uh, doing it this way, and uh, we'll see how it goes.
0: Um, and look, first things first. Hat, t- hat tip to J- uh, James Coburn. Um, but this is you know. There's just so many avenues, and we talked about this a little bit last night. There's just so many avenues to use. Yes, film is huge. It's critical. There is no doubt about it. But there's also something where you know, oh, this guy you know, killed it as a senior, and da, 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 or his last year, and, and then you go and you look and he's 23. Well, man, if you're still in college at 23 years old, you better be you better be cracking some skulls. Uh, otherwise, you know, you're there to buy the freshman and sophomore beer. Um, so that comes into the equation. Um, obviously, athletes look, I mean, any sport, anywhere, you look at basketball and you look at it, ah, oh, well, they got to teach him how to box out. He really can't hit a 15-foot jump shot, but he just went third in the NBA draft. Um, it's the the athleticism that needs to be there, and we, it's weird. Every year we go through the draft process and, wow, can these guys get any more athletic? And then you see Quinn and Williams busting out a 483 or whatever the final number was on that. It doesn't seem it's stopping. You know these kids just you know get better and bigger and faster and stronger and it's insane and that is all good. Um, but yes, the production, but because you can't take a guy who you know, you can't put a lot of instance on a player and we'll, I'll use this name Josh Jacobs as references. If you didn't tear it up, why do you think? Why would you think that a guy who couldn't do statistically incredible in college all of a sudden now in the NFL is going to all of a sudden now put up the best production, the best statistical output that he's ever put in his life. Yes, I get it. You'll say Jeff, Pete, and you'll give off five, six names over what, 30 years? That's fine. But, you know, that they, they are the outlier, and those exist, obviously, with anything and everything in life. There is the small percentage of, but what you should do, and if your job is on the line, like John Dorsey's and everybody else not is what you bank on is the bigger percentage. So you take all of these avenues, athletic testing, production, uh, and, you know, the, obviously the market share, which, you know, and look, I mean, Yes, Pete. You gave Jim credit, but you know, Jim is basically said here. Here's what I do because you know it used to be back in the gym. No, Jim's like here. Here's the math equations. Do it so you find out what's going on, whether it's total tackles, yada yada. This player had this, but you do the division, whatever. You can figure it out. The thing is, a lot of people do not want to do that. Do not want to put in that effort and just poo-poo on the work that's put in. That's fine. I don't get why you would do that or whatever. But you know, be that as it may. Um. Uh iTunes, rating reviews, huge part of the show. I always, you know, assist with the growth. Um, I appreciate it, guys. Uh, we, we've had a, it, it's been a fun period. I, I, I appreciate that you guys are all hanging out, listening along with us. But do me a favor. Make sure you go ahead and leave a five-star, and leave a written review over there on iTunes, guys. It means a ton. Thank you. Now, Pete, breaking into this 135, we've established, obviously, you know, tackle class, we'd like some help there. Linebacker, Safety corner, the meat of your 135, does it fit the positional needs of what the Browns need going further?
1: Uh, Yeah. I I think if you're looking at this and you're saying that and teams definitely do look at this, uh, if you're saying that uh you know from sashi brown to john dorsey that the team has done a pretty good job of sort of mapping ahead relative to what the the future drafts are uh going to do i think john dorsey was excellent in that regard uh i think in terms of offensive tackles there are definitely guys in this offensive line in general is pretty solid if you ask uh, linebackers yeah this is a, a good linebacker class even if you know, I think the meat of it is in, in the day three. I think there are plenty of linebackers that you can find that can come in and play. Uh, whether, you know, it's going to be the next Joe Show or Jannard Avery remains to be seen. But there are guys that have excellent profiles. If you're asking about defensive tackles, uh, I think defensive line in general is really, really good in this group. Uh, I think defensive tackles there for them if they want to go that route. And then, you know, DBs, I, I think this is an outstanding safety class. Uh, and it's fascinating that so much of the talk is that like none of the safeties are going to go in the first round which is great for the browns uh and i think the corners are good especially for corners that seem to be what the browns want which uh is some combination depending on who you ask of zone or press um i think they're more inclined to get zoned but you know some of those guys can be press guys so yeah i think this class has a lot of what they need it's just a question of when and how they do it i think corner if you're going to do it needs to be Probably a little bit earlier. Uh, safety, I think, is great throughout. A linebacker, late. Uh, defensive tackle, I think, it's early or late. Um, and there's a couple of the positions. There's you know the creamy center, like receiver, uh, is anytime you want, other than the first round. Uh, and yeah, I think I think there's a lot that really works works out for this group.
0: Um, now, Pete, why don't you go this route? Go a couple of guys where you know maybe in the start of the process you yourself maybe we're not sure of but now that they've gone through every facet of the avenue where it's like wow well and and it's always fun and I, and I love this when we talk with any of these guys is you know i ended up liking this guy you know a lot more than i ever thought i would
1: sure so my number one receiver uh was a guy i was not sure was gonna have the athleticism necessary Uh, And Nikhil Harry, Uh, he... I
0: remember when we talked about that. I remember because I was... Before we even got into the draft press, I brought his name up and you... eh.
1: Yeah, I mean, look, there there were... It looked like, you know, he was a guy who had some questions about speed. And there, you know, at times there are still... What I would say about Nikhil Harry is, based on tape, I would say he's as good a route runner as he wants to be at any given point. There are times we had mentioned when you this. see him stick the foot in the ground and he, he can make moves and double moves, and there are times you're sitting there going, why isn't he sort of beating a guy he seems like he can't? But, you know, when it when it came down and, and uh, all the data was in and, and going back and watching him, he ended up being my uh, top top receiver in, in the class. Uh Let's see, hmm.
0: Well, why are you looking? I'll say on Harry. I remember the one thing I kept saying is there were a couple of plays where he caught the ball at the bottom of the screen, and the next thing you know, you know, as you know, and he ended up you know 35 yards down the field at the top of the screen on the other sideline, and it was you know everybody oh well we're not sure how athletic he is, and you know I I mean I don't care if it was the Pac-12 or it wasn't the elite of the elite you know you're getting yourself 70 yards to pick up 35 without getting tackled I mean. It had me scratch my head on guys that were you know I I never saw the athleticism. Um, look, we, we, you know, uh, you know, there is a former Arizona State All-American I know very well. I mean, I speak with a ton, and he mentioned there were some whispers, you know, uh, about you know, I mean, usually you know, wide receiver. Look, I mean, with wide receivers, you know, well, he's a little selfish sometimes. Maybe he only looks out for himself. You can usually describe most wide receivers with that. Uh,
1: yeah. So you know, a couple of other guys in that. Uh, Vane. Kalen Saunders uh, was a guy that I, I, I got, you know, it was a cute story and all that stuff, but uh, wasn't sold. Uh, and then, you know, again, he's another guy that the process kept going and he kept. Proving it in the tape, you know, I think he's an inconsistent run defender, but he's a really, really talented pass rusher uh, that offers a ton of versatility. But he's just a ridiculously impressive athlete uh, at that size. We have a home. Uh, we
0: have a home for pass rushing defensive tackles. We got guys who can handle that part. The run part.
1: Uh, yeah, and then uh, Ben Burkervin. Uh, I thought he was going to be. I thought he was basically going to end up being a waif. Uh, that it was, you know, yeah, he flies around, he made a bunch of tackles, but, you know, it it seemed like he was more of a spur type initially. Uh, But, you know, he's another guy that you watch and you watch and you watch, he sort of wins you over with the way he plays. And then I I, I was stunned that, I mean, in addition to the size, I was stunned that he posted as an elite athlete. I mean, he's way more impressive than I thought he would be in that regard. Uh, So, yeah, those are a couple of the... And and Ben Rekervin ended up being my you know my third linebacker. Uh, Yeah, those are a couple of the guys that sort of surprised me. Uh, um, Yeah, I I mean, there's probably others I'm not thinking of, but those are definitely in that group.
0: Yeah, and yeah, absolutely. You know, I absolutely remember uh, you know the linebacker position, and it's funny that guys were obviously guys were going to move up, Pete, because there were so many guys we ended up moving down from. Um, And I still go back to that day, that Sunday of the athletic testing for the linebackers. And the guys we thought we would test well, and there were guys who didn't even get the opportunity to go, like Khalil Hodge, who just, you know, an absolute head-scratcher with all the production in the world. Great size, and, you know, runs like a sloth. Um, But that's a story, obviously, for another day here. Um, For the Browns, Pete, the way it looks for you, and obviously with the the, the targets of 135 you have... um, Look, I mean, the eight selections, who know that? That's going to be made, but um, it, does it uh, – besides Ed Oliver, Pete, and you can kind of let that one go, and it's actually funny now because Daniel Jeremiah put out his mock today where Ed Oliver Three. went third to the team that I don't know far from, the New York Jets. So hopefully if he wants to take week one off because they don't have a coat for him or something or he's upset, that'd be fantastic. His debut in week two, go ahead and have the greatest game a rookie has ever had, Ed Oliver. Um are you more comfortable with now that there is no first-round selection currently for the Cleveland Browns? Is is it a meats and potatoes if you're going second, third, fourth, fifth? If that's where if that's where you, you got to go play, if that's the part where you get to the buffet, you comfortable? More comfortable with it now?
1: Yeah, uh, I think I think the Browns could have gotten a, a very capable player, but the thing is, a lot of the players I would have take would take at seventeen may well be there at 49. Uh, and it really does seem like the sweet spot of this draft is sort of in that 25 to uh, probably 60 range in terms of where the talent really is and in terms of, you know, where, where the va- the value sort of really hits. I, unless you're getting, you know, a Queen of Williams, an Ed Oliver, a, uh, what's his face, Andre Dillard, you know, those guys, I, I think, even as high as pick four, unless, you know, maybe, let's say pick five, because in case Kyler Murray goes one and those other, the, the other three go, um, I think almost to pick five, the guy that the Browns could end up with at 49. If, if they get the guys we, we talk about will be as good or have as likely a career arc as that player does. Um, which, you know, on the one hand, you know, it, it sounds like I'm shitting on a lot of guys. It's not like that. So, I mean, like Josh Allen, you know, his, his theoretical uh, ceiling is capped by .04 seconds on a three cone. Now, that seems very arbitrary, and it may well be. But he's also, you know, more likely to hit his sort of multiple Pro Bowl ceiling as opposed to a guy like Justin Lane. Uh, just because, you know, he's obviously dominated uh, at Kentucky. But if you're saying that everybody reaches their peak from that range to, you know, where, where just Land theoretically goes at 49, the Browns would be just as well off as the team that ends up taking uh, Josh Allen, which, you know, in that so- sense makes it sound almost insane that anyone would be picking that high. But that's also why you hear so many teams trying to trade down and get more picks, uh, including number three. They a lot of these teams want you know want to move down, get more picks, try to get in that, that 25 to 60 range to, to be able to attack that area more than once as opposed to putting all their eggs in one proverbial, proverbial basket in the top 10. Uh, so yes, absolutely. Um, I, I think the trade for, for Beckham only looks smarter the further we go into this.
0: Well, and that was, uh, and I think it was Lance Zerlin, and this came out, I want to say it was right after when, before the Odell trade, but when the original, um, it was um, obviously, you know, Zeitler for Olivier Vernon, and there was the first exchange of the, the picks where the Browns would have then had... You know, a second, a third, two fourths, two fifths. And he he put out, you know, that the meat of this, you know, draft and everything was, you know, rounds two through five if you had multiple picks there. And, you know, I had mentioned the Browns at the time. And he was like, oh, absolutely. You know, sitting pretty there with that. Between, in that and at the time, obviously, they still had 17. Obviously, that ended up getting flipped back. Um, so, you know, a, you know it's, it, it, that, it's a draft where there's, you know, obviously top heavy, yeah, there's a, a defensive line. And maybe even John realized at the time where you know he was only drafting 17th, um, I may have to do the majority of my work on a defensive line because I'm only drafting 17th. Um, yeah, could you have still got a good player there? Absolutely. There's no doubt about it. But you you know, the, you, there were going to be a lot of the names to be off the board before the Browns finally ultimately got to make their selection at 17. And, look, you, you're – I mean, you, you're not <laughs> – just the way the deal worked out, it was just too easy and – too good to just turn down. Uh, remember, guys, to get the show every day, subscribe to Locked On Browns on the new Himalaya podcast app. In an ever-expanding podcast world, you need Himalaya with the personally curated playlist and their new features every day. Download Himalaya at the app store at your app store. Make sure you're subscribed to Locked On Browns. Um, obviously, guys, um, Pete's uh, article is up there. Check it out at NFL Spin Zone. We're gonna get to some listener questions here. Um, we're a little bit pressed for time tonight, so we're not gonna go as long as normal. We're gonna uh, go over and uh, join Jake Burns. Uh, I don't know if Jake's ready for me and Pete on the same set. So Jake, I, you know, I, I hope you're ready for this because if I don't have to host, and you know, look, Pete's always free and easy and ready to go anyway. So. Uh, We'll see if Jake really realizes what he signed up here for. And uh, by the, just looking at the Mets score, the Mets are losing 10 to 1. So I'm going to be a little fired up anyway. So. so
1: you may be, you may have a similar ending as the Mets tonight. Uh, I don't know about that Incidentally, one. Incidentally, the other pod we both did in a, in a competitive format popped out this week. And uh, yeah, big old W for this guy.
0: Uh, are you pointing to me or Oli Uda? who got his name mentioned every round for about four rounds. In a row? Every eventually got
1: him. Yes,
0: eventually, eventually. And I think it was at 155, which goes in line with Gil Brandt, uh, <laughs> who did not have him in his 150, so we played that one correctly. Um, look, guys, there are a ton of great questions here tonight. We'll save some for tomorrow night, but there is a bunch. Um, Giovanni, I love you. That will never happen. <laughs> he is not coming here ever um, and apparently this has been tried because he tried to talk himself into this and it uh did didn't didn't work out. Um my buddy Scott Mason. Um uh he's he runs the Turn on the Jets podcast. They do a bunch over there. Scott does a fantastic job. Um Pete Darren Lee, one nineteen, the fourth round pick. Yes or no?
1: No, I'd rather keep one nineteen um it's got to be I, a fifth
0: I, it, I you know this you know i'm I, i'm bigger on bringing him in than you are for me it's got to be one of the fifths it's not going to be 119
1: the, yeah well part of the problem is this has gone on so long and and i credit john dorsey on this one yes um, it's no way his price tag is going up at this point yes they have really <laughs> um it really feels like they have no not only no leverage but uh, they've really made it so, like, it's almost to the point where uh, Darren Lee, like, can't go back. And, I, like, I know you're immediately going to point out, well, they don't have a spot for him anyway, but it really does seem like the longer this goes on, and the, and publicly, even if the Jets aren't actively acknowledging it, it really does feel like the bridge is on fire and Darren Lee standing on it.
0: Well, and the other thing is, though, is if, if he's got nowhere to play, and he's been somewhat of a problem child all of a sudden
1: now when he's not playing he's going to behave better? That's not going to happen. Right. I, they, I, I think I'm almost start I'm starting to wonder if this actually ends up going into next year and what I mean by that is this you know after the draft training camp type time where you know the Jets can try to get them to give up one of their 2020 picks for him uh maybe All right, well if you want to talk more de-
0: Yeah, if you want to talk 2020, let's do it.
1: Right, if it, like if that point they try to get a fourth rounder out of them, maybe, and the Browns aren't, you know, and the Browns have the draft over and they're uncomfortable with the situation, they want to address it. Uh, you know, that's a risky play for the Jets in the sense that obviously the Browns could be happy with what they get in the draft and not need it anymore. But you know, the, the, again, this keeps going, and, and the fact that you know your buddy's asking this goes to show that it's almost like. You know, it's not even will you give this up, it's almost like, please, please give us something for Darren Lee because it's not happening here and and we need to move on.
0: It's, uh, I mean, it's almost the equivalent of now, like, for our sakes, uh, let's do, but this is something that needed to be done when the window opened. I mean, like, you needed to move him right away. No, he's got his act together. He served the suspension. Uh, He's tweeting Michael Jackson gifts. I don't know what the hell any of this means. Um, he under I mean he, he, well, you you look uh, Avery Williamson was signed here because they weren't sure about you. They just gave C J Mosley I mean they basically gave him a, a, a sm-
1: obscene amount of money
0: a small uni- municipality in the state of New Jersey. Um, I I don't know I mean I don't know where their end game is here and even still if somebody were to have a linebacker get injured oh we can go get to Ron Lee well no because the boy's a risk himself uh, so. Uh, Look, call me. I will give you one of. I will give. I won't even give you the high one. I'll, I'll give. Maybe you can get me the middle one, or maybe you can get the last one. If you want to get rid of Daron Lee, I will give you one of the fifth round selections. Uh, I there's a role here for him. I but other than that, I, I just have no idea what the Jets are
1: doing. Unless it's going to be like 119 for Daron Lee and a pick. But the thing is, I'd rather have 119. I don't want to like. I don't want to create a bigger hole in that area of the draft. If somebody's got a board
0: that's 135 deep, yeah, we're not giving up that. We're not giving up 119.
1: Right. (laughs) Uh, But, yeah, that's the the bigger issue is with 119 is that you don't – like it's the same problem with like 80. You know, it's not, you know, you don't want to give up that pick, but you also would like to sort of move up a little bit and and, and sort of fill some gaps Uh, and, and giving up 119 theoretically opens a gap, whereas a fifth round pick, even if it ends up being like a fifth and, you know, something like a fifth and sixth or a fifth and you know, six and twenty twenty or something that they don't, I don't think they want to blow open that hole. I don't think John Dorsey can stand the idea of being sitting there for like a round and a half and not being able to do anything.
0: Oh my I like, I I can only imagine what he is going to be like on, on, on the 25th. I mean, he's gonna I mean, he's going to wear through about four pairs of those air monarchs, just pacing around pissed off and aggravated knowing that talent is coming off the board. Um, Honestly, what they should just do is have Odell just come and sit in the war room and just hang out and talk with him and, you know, throw some YouTube videos on there. Um, Here's one, and this one I like because it's actually just football related, Um, and it is from Collaborative Filtering, I guess. Um, When Hunt becomes available, how do you utilize him and Nick Chubb together?
1: Uh, Well, I mean, I I suppose the, the simplest answer would be, well, you know, the hot hand, but I, I, I think Chubb is still the man, and Kareem Hunt becomes more of a uh, specific situation type player. Uh, I think they use him maybe the way they in, they would have liked to use Duke Johnson, but maybe either because Duke wasn't into it or whatever reason we're here, where we're trying to you know potentially trying to trade him away. That it just didn't work because he can do. He's a, a little bit better. I think Nick Chubb can get there, but Kareem Hunt right now is a better receiver than than uh, Chubb is. Uh, and and certainly if the Browns get into a situation where, you know, they're at like, you know, nine and three or you know ten and four or something like that, and they want to sort of get Chubb fresher uh, for the playoffs that they can, you know, use kareem hunt to keep them you know still very competitive obviously but being able to sort of give Chubb a break so he can be fresh and ready to go downhill uh and, and you know do a lot of damage in the in a, in a playoff scenario um but i mean if, if the browns find themselves in situations where you know there's been no evidence truly really suggests this but if for whatever reason on a given day there's a defense that just has chubbs number or something along those lines and kareem hunt just is a different uh, style that just happens to be working. I don't think they're going to, you know, take him off the field just just because you know out of loyalty to, to Chubb. I think you know Freddie Kitchens is a guy who will who will give the guy uh, the ball who's most likely going to put them in a situation to win. That has been his mo thus far. Uh, with with guys like Brashai Perryman being you know yep. in position to be a playmaker, or you know Richard Higgins or or whoever. Uh, being in a situation where they can be a playmaker Uh, you know you you have all these guys and you have a quarterback in Baker Mayfield who will give it to whoever he doesn't care that uh, you know he's not stingy in that he's got to win a certain way clearly Freddie Kitchens is, is going to win and figure out the stats later.
0: Oh, and look, and for Freddie, that's what you're going to do as a first-year head coach. This is how you're going to be measured, and especially with all the pressure in the world on you. Do um, Do we knew, do, Things we know. Do we know that Kareem Hunt is a better receiver right now? Yes, there's no doubt about it. Did Nick make strides in that area? Yes, yes he did. Um, there's also, look, Freddie likes a little fun. So, you know, to say that there can be a set where Baker's in shotgun and Kareem Hunt's next to him and uh, Nick Chubb is on the other side. One may motion out, one may not. They both could stay in the backfield. Freddie likes, I think Freddie enjoyed the playmaker aspect. Um, Who lets their third string running back throw a pass in a game? Nobody. So let's stop doing that, Freddie. Let's not get you that excited. But there's so many avenues you can go. Kareem Hunt, you can you can start off with this look and have him wander out and go into a slot-wide receiver position. Granted, you have a ton of other players that can do this stuff as well. But keep mixing it up and giving different looks. Um... You can take – Odell's going to need a breather. He does not play every play because, you know, he aggravates the living daylights out of people, and they do like to take a shot or two every now and then where he needs to come off. So you can go three tight ends, two running backs. Uh, You could have Hunt and Chubb on the – there's just so many avenues you can go when you have this plethora of talent they're going to have. There's also times where you can say, you know what, I know what, Nick, uh, look, it's, you know, you had nine carries in the first 16 minutes of the game. You know what? Take the series off. Take the series off. Or even still, take the first four or five plays of it off. And you can use, you can still be able to have your a featured running back who you can do more than one thing with, as you, you should be able to do with Nick as he goes in a year two. It, it's, it, And I told you, we will get to this point where we, and we obviously we will talk about the addition that Kareem is and the player he is. It was never about the player that he is. We, we understand what's there. Um, there's times where you can go empty backfield, and you could have four wide receivers in Kareem Hunt, three wide receivers, David Njoko and Kareem Hunt. There's just so many avenues you can do when you have this depth at the skill group that they currently uh, they currently do, which Baker is all for. And it seems like Freddie is all for. So, I mean, just you're basically just you know chomping at the bit to basically get to, not even to, you know, you want to, I mean, you don't even want to get to camp. You want to get to week one of the preseason at this point because there is a lot of avenues they can do. Um, Giovanni did bring us Giovanni Reese did bring us a serious question here, and Pete, this one I'm going to throw to you because uh, first uh, to I'll start. I mean, it's about kickers, punters. I'm okay with the punter. I understand people may have their concerns about Greg Joseph. Um, I would never, in my life, use a draft choice on a punter or a kicker. I wouldn't. It's just not. Um, there's so many veterans out there and you know most of the time they get moved on from somewhere else you can get pretty good consistency out of them I would never I'm such a draft junkie that I I would rather take the advantage I would rather roll the dice on a very athletic guy at any position and you know what maybe he could be as opposed to a kicker or punter but Pete any specialists out there this cycle?
1: I'd be lying if I could tell you the, a single name of a punter or a kicker in this draft class. Um, and I'm with you, you.
0: I tell you what. Gilbrand had the 150. There was a punter in there because I know we left on that. So there was a punter from Utah. He was like
1: 149 or 150. There's always a punter from Utah. There's, and they're yes. always all style. Yes, and he's, a, and they yes, don't know and he's not straight, and he's, They he don't, he know, they <laughs> don't <laughs> always – they, they rarely translate to the NFL because that style is so unpopular. But, um, look, I, I'm with you. I, I – First, they have a good, Britton Colquitt is a fine punter. Um, The the best argument you can make against him is that, uh, you know, you, you can make argue money. But, you know, who else has a solar energy or whatever the hell commercial? Uh, where he's flossing and all that stuff. But kicker, bring in 30 of them. Try them all out. I don't give a shit. I want to kick less. I want to punt less. I want these things to not be factors in the game. Certainly, there are times where it's at, you know the, the right move to punt, and you want to be good at it. Uh, but I'm more worried about the unit uh, and coverage units and being successful in that respect than I am necessarily the kicker or punter. Uh, but, yeah, I mean... I don't have a problem with Greg Joseph. I didn't have a problem with Zane Gonzalez. Uh, I, I mean, I get why they moved on from him, but you know they, that was that
0: was that was a rough post game that Saints won, and I mean, we, you, know, we, you felt bad for him, and then it came down that he was hurt, and 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 here it was, you know, in obviously Baker. This was pre Baker Mayfield, which was even worse for Zane Gonzalez because he wasn't a bad kicker, and if he had been healthy and he got to be a part of this week three going further, oh Zane's the man. Zane would have been dude. He'd be he'd be. Standing on big-ass speakers at concerts in Cleveland, he would have been fine. It was just that he had a tremendously bad day in a key spot. Um, people won't ever remember the Tyrod Taylor fourth quarter interception that basically turned that game into a loss. Um, they'll remember the kid with the shredded groin who missed some kicks.
1: Right, and that's you know yet another indictment of one Hugh Jackson. Uh, but, you know, again, let's, still, still to work. let's, still let's work. minimize the impact. So we're not sitting here worried about, you know, we go into an offseason. We're going, well, what are they going to do about kicker? What are they going to do? What is the defense going to do to stop this offense is the, is the question. And, uh, again, go for two more offense every time. Get good at it. Make it part of practice. You you should only really need to kick uh, at the end of halves. And puntering, sure, it's important, but they have a punter. So I'm not worried about it. Uh, but, yeah, insert Utah punter or Ohio State kicker or whatever you want. Just try them all out. Find the guy you like best and, and, and stick with it.
0: Um, find me a guy who's going to make the extra points when he's asked to. Find me a guy who's consistent. And, and, look, this may be part of the problem. Part of the problem is as you get better and better, unless you have the elite of the elite like Steven Gostkowski, um, when you're going to tell the guy, look, y- y- you may attempt three to four field goals per month, there's only so much these guys can do in practice to keep it right. Um, and you you go back to the Bears last year with these – and you just bring in the names in and out, and these guys were upright after upright. I mean, how do, how do you keep kicking the ball and hitting the upright? I mean, either shank the thing or hit it dead center, but upright after upright after upright. It's And we talked about this with Zane Gonzalez, Pete. It's it, – you coach. I, I've been obviously you've played and been around it, and you know some high school coaching as well. It's such a difficult position because you're the most least important guy in the room until it becomes the most important situation, and and then everybody all of a sudden, let's go kicker. And you, it, it is it, It's probably it's probably the toughest position mentally to play in the NFL.
1: Could be. Uh- I can only speak from my experience. We've got a stud kicker slash punter, so I I, I don't know. Can we draft uh, him? I, I've I've joked about it that he should show up on Sunday and see if they let him play. Uh, but yeah, I, it, you know we're spoiled I, to have a a kid who can who can boot it, uh, and and you know doesn't seem to have that thing where you know he, he he's almost got this very carefree, aloof attitude, which seems to be great for him. Uh, so. You know, I, you know, the less coaching done with him and I don't do it, uh, the better. I, I just, you know, wait, put my hands up in the air when it goes through and it's great. Uh, but, yeah, it's – look, the the Bears is a really good example if for no other reason. The entire offseason uh, was framed by, will they let Robbie be the biggest thing you're focused on as a football team? It just can't because that – that's just – it's just an awful way to sort of live that you're sitting there – and don't get me wrong. Robbie Gould's a really good kicker, but score more points. You know, when the offense has the ball, go get in the end zone. Like don't put it on the foot of a kid. You—you you, Don't be the guy who says, well, you know, kickers aren't really football, and then you're constantly relying on the kicker to win. And, I, and I'm hoping that the Browns, you know, picking up a little bit from last year as it went on, don't. And they just say, look – I've got Baker Mayfield, I've got Odell Beckham, I've got Nick Chubb, I've got David Njoku, I've got a million of these other guys. Instead of putting in the kicker's foot, I'm going to give it to my quarterback, and he's going to go out and win or lose, and I'm going to be okay with that.
0: Yeah, I mean, the guy who's going to take, you know, discounting the kickoffs, maybe what, three to five reps per game, he becomes the most important player of the game. It's... And
1: hopefully kickoff is going to be gone in a minute anyway, so I don't even have to care about that.
0: Exactly, it's just it's such a tough thing. And uh, Giovanni, we're not picking by anyway. But I just think this team—it's not going to matter. And even if it does matter, the kicker position—if they get to week eight and week nine and everything is going the way it should be going for the Browns, seven and two, six and three, eight and one, whatever—there's going to be some veteran. Who gets pushed out of somewhere? Um, you know, obviously, uh, who was who was the guy? Uh, Bailey ended up with Minnesota Vikings last year. All the Browns fans, oh, can we get him? Can we get him? Can we get him? No, the Browns weren't in contention at the time. There'll be that veteran kicker who gets pushed out of some job somewhere, and it's like, all right, well, let's go that. But for now, look, I, I'm all right. Let's rock with Joseph. Um, sure. And this is something we've talked about. You know, you don't want to move on with some of these guys who were part of getting this team from a doormat to better. So, you know, look, let him stick around. Um, Hopefully some growth here. Um, He's got to stand on these sidelines. He got to close this, you know, uh, he got to be there week 16. See the reaction from this fan base as, you know, they put the Bengals down again for a second time. And the excitement from this crowd. And, look, I mean, keep your own here for now. Um, Look, I mean, you see a major case of the yips in the shanks you know in the summer um even still bring in somebody you know joseph if you want the job
1: sure. take it well i mean look Vinatieri, you know is by all accounts going to be a hall of famer and he better be and he and he you know missed a costly field goal for the the Colts this past year gastowski's had a hell of a run obviously Vinatieri with the patriots before that at the same time chris boswell may have been the one of the most high, high paid kickers in the league with the steelers and he was legit the worst so there's an element of luck with this, and you just want to get a kicker who can keep you above 80, uh, percent and make you know 90 some percent of your extra points. I think 94 uh, is the goal. But other than that, it's just not not that big of a deal to worry about. And obviously, you know that's the thing is people look at the Patriots and go, well, they've had you know they've won all these games on on extra points or uh, on field goals and whatever they've won because they have Bill Belichick and freaking Tom Brady.
0: Yep. Uh, and look, I mean, you, you want to get a little weird? Uh, call Sebastian Janikowski. Um, you know, just point him to the closest bar to first energy. Um, he'll show up on Sunday, keep the living hell out of the football. Um, whether or not he's sober, that's a whole other story altogether. Um, but if you want the leg, you know, a guy you can maybe trust, you know, him, former first-round pick, had to be, what, damn near 20 years ago. But we're going to put a bow on this so uh, we can look our freshest for our second appearance this evening. Um, but, guys, check out uh, Pete's uh, top 135 over at NFL SpinZone. It, it, it's, you know, look, for those, those who poo-poo it, whatever, that's fine, whatever. Uh, Pete's a fraud, blah, blah, blah. Just stop with the freaking nonsense. I tell you what. You put together a board of 135 guys. Do it. Let's go. I'm all for it. I want to I, I see it. I want to read it. And I don't want just names. I want... I want why they're there, um, whether the athlete they are. I want the production that they are. Um, so just just stop with the nonsense. Uh, if you're not going to do the work, uh, I don't understand how you're going to poo-poo somebody else who does. Uh, so go ahead, guys. Like I said, check out the article over at NFL Spin Zone. I've retweeted it a couple times. I know Pete's put it out there a couple times. So go ahead, check it out. Obviously, follow... Pete over uh, at underscore Pete Smith underscore the show, the Locked On Browns uh, show. Follow it over at Locked On Browns. Follow-back account, as you guys all know. Keep those coming. Best interaction, best way for you guys to you know get information to me, things you want to hear, topics you want to discuss, questions you want answered, any of that stuff. Follow me personally at Jeff underscore LJ underscore Lloyd. To the moron today, it's not J Lloyd, it's LJ Lloyd. I am named after my father. My father was Big Jeff, so obviously as the years went on, my friends nickname me LJ, that's how that came a pass that came across. So if you're gonna do anything and you wanna troll, at least freaking read you stinking morons. Um and as far as you know, the show we look, I I don't see any way we are not going to get you something every day here. Um look, you're know, running on fumes, yeah, whatever, you know, throw some sliders down, to shove something down your throat, just keep eating, keep moving on, um, as we get to, obviously, you know, the bell of the ball, obviously, April 25th, 26th, 27th, rounds one, rounds two through three, rounds four, five, six, and seven, uh, always going, uh, always working, just enjoying this time of the year, and enjoying the process, and everybody, oh, well, it drags on, it drags on, drags on, and then you get to that little lull period in May, and everybody's like, well, what are we going to do now, what are we going to talk about, you know, well um, that's Enjoy this process, guys. It's fun. Obviously, it's a little different with the Browns with, you know, obviously the last two years, a lot, a lot of interest in the first night. But even still, just watch it. Look, you're going to want to watch what, you know, Cincinnati does. You're at 12. You're going to want to watch what, Baltimore, uh, what Pittsburgh does at 20. You're going to want to watch what Baltimore does. Uh, Daniel Jeremiah's mock today. Kind of helped us all out. Um, Haskins at 11 to Bengals. No, you know, you're, you're a little concerned, sure. Nice player, but um, – they need, they need a lot more, but, you know, these teams are going to take their best swings to get better. They're going to take their best cuts. Taking a quarterback, their defense still stinks. Obviously, the Browns hung, what, 70 on them last year or whatever, between two games. So, you know, just ride it on out here, guys. This has been your daily delivery of all things Dog Pound, LGB on the LLB. Let's go, Browns.